this week's episode of Maroon and Bold, we discuss Central Michigan's 38-20 win on the road against Bowling Green. We also touch on the rest of the season and if they have a shot to win the MAC championship. Welcome back to another episode of Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Evan Petzold. Alongside with me, I have Austin Chastain, the assistant sports editor. And, and Austin, i got to throw it to you for a question first and foremost. Normally, I like to introduce you know, the, the show to the people, but got to ask you, man. Central Michigan football, 5-3 and three, on the verge of bowl game eligibility. How shocked are you after a, a 1-11 year? If, if, so, if you had told me the beginning of the year, and with all things considered, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that this team is this program was going to go from one and eleven to a bowl game, mm-hmm. I'd have told you you were nuts. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, looking back for for me personally, um, the not not this semester now, but last semester, um, I was in an astronomy lab, and going into that man, it was like there's no way, there's no way I'm gonna you know do well in this. Like the whole plan was to get a C and move on, and I ended up getting an A minus, and it was one of those things where nobody could have expected it, right? Nobody knew it was coming, but it happened. And Central Michigan football is doing something right now. That that's that's very impressive. You want to look back at who they beat, and you say, "Oh, it, well, they beat Eastern, and Eastern's not that good this year." Well, Eastern beat Illinois, and then Eastern just beat Western Michigan. So, don't tell me Eastern's not any good. New Mexico State, sure, you can say that one wasn't a good win. But then you look at Bowling Green, a team that you know they they beat Toledo and they were the first team to take down the Rockets which was a program that everybody thought was going to be all that in a in a bag of chips this year and win the Mac West they were the first team to to take them down so I give them credit for being able to to game plan for them and, and figure it out and Central Michigan now you know you're you're 4 and 0 at home and you got two home games left and you got two more on the road and you're in a situation now where if you win out you got a shot you got a shot to go to the Mac title you do if you, if you win out you're you're in yeah, I mean the shot is right there. It's kind of all in your all in your grasp. Um, but I guess I got to throw it back to you really quick as well. How have you been lately? And we had to get a quick take on the Chippewas, but you doing all right? Oh yeah, I'm a little tired. That was a that was a little bit of a of a long road trip. A little bit longer than I was expecting. Um, I so you excited for next week then? Or oh dude, I am pumped for next week. That's gonna be a longer road trip. It is. We're going international. We are. Central Michigan life is going international. Because I did. We, I, I went and waited in line to get that uh, get that enhanced license, you know. Got to take care of it. Gotta Otherwise, t- we're driving all the way around. And, I mean, no thanks. you don't, you don't want to drive all the way around from, from Mount Pleasant because what would that be? Because Mount Pleasant to Buffalo, Oh, he's as he's, I type it in. He's getting the Google search going. And we'll, we'll touch on Bowling Green, you know, in, in a little bit. But Mount Pleasant to Buffalo, you drive in. If you drive, if you drive you know, through and go – Oh wow, yeah, they don't even have a Okay. I see. So yeah, it's five hours and thirty nine minutes if you take it, you know, going through Port Huron and then going across Canada and into Buffalo. Um, but they don't even have an option for going around. Wow. So that's how that's how much longer it'd be. I mean, I could only imagine because what, from from Mount Pleasant down to down to Cleveland. Mount Pleasant to Cleveland, Ohio. That, that was a long drive. Yeah, because that's what yeah, that's like almost five hours. So you go five hours, and then you literally have to. Yeah, I mean that's probably going to be a nine-hour drive if you go all the way around and you go down through Cleveland, and you you know you keep it um, within the United States. But but we have this good old place called Canada that we're going to be driving through, 
And it'll be an interesting drive. Um, I'm excited for that. You mentioned that the drive from Bowling Green was tough. So um, that leads me to question how you're going to be on the on the road to Buffalo. But I think it was only tough because I think because there's a small hole in my exhaust and my car was obscenely loud. Mm. So I think that was a, that was a little bit tough on uh, on myself and, and the rest of the boys. But um, but no, I'm I'm excited for this for this Buffalo trip. It's a little bit reminiscent of the uh, Wisconsin trip. Let's pray to God the result isn't the same though. <laughs> Right, that that wouldn't be too uh, that wouldn't be too hot, but no, not. yeah, I know. I mean, not not a, not a bad trip. I'm excited to go through Canada and see what that's like. I heard there's no billboards on the highway, um, or they have to be within like at least a certain amount of feet back off the highway, so it's tough to see them because they don't really put a lot up there because of the fact that you know they don't they don't do that in Canada, I guess. Um, legal drinking age is 19. We're gonna have our columnist Ben Zeitler, who is 19, with us, so we'll see where that takes us. <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, we will get to Buffalo. We will get there on time, and we will be ready to go for you guys. But we'll get back to Buffalo in a, in a minute. But we got to talk about Bowling Green and that win that the Chippewas were able to pull off. Obviously, Quentin Dormady um, started it off right away as he helped march the team down the field. And really, it was a 24-yard pass to Ja'Cory Sullivan, and it was, a, it was a tough catch that he had to make. And I think Quentin could have put it a little bit a little bit better in there for him. But nonetheless, you know Sullivan was able to make the catch and put the Chippewas up 7-0 with 11 53 left in the first quarter. So that's another situation where Jim McElwain wins a coin toss, takes the ball to start, and goes down and scores a touchdown. Um, and he's he's done that a couple times now, and that seems to be a go-to for them is is just to start out on offense and, and score immediately. Yeah, I don't see why not. A I lot mean, of teams play it conservative, though. If they win it, they'll defer. Right, exactly. And and that's kind of that's kind of something that you grew accustomed to see is if you know if a team wins the toss, like, oh, we're gonna save save that one sh- sure possession for the second half. Mm-hmm. No, McElwain says to to hell with that. Let's take the ball. It's kind of it's kind of like that um, famous Matt Hasselbeck quote. Let's take the ball and we're gonna go score. In that uh, in that playoff game against the Packers, but obviously different situation. But you know that that's I think that's kind of what McElwain's thinking. Like let's let's go let's go take this ball and let's go put the momentum on our side right away. And I honestly. I, I like it. I yeah, it. I don't have a problem with that at all, honestly. I mean, I think if you, you start like that, that shows confidence in your team. I think that helps guys, you know, like Quentin Dormady out to to go out there and, you know, go first on offense. And it also gives the defense a little bit of help as well because if you can put up those points, the defense understands, okay, now we're working with a lead and we haven't even gotten the field yet. You know, like how, how, how nice is that to start with a lead rather than to start 0-0 or to start, you know, down 7 nothing. Right, yeah. You start with a lead on defense, and I feel like that that gives you a lot of uh, a lot of momentum and a, a decent edge to start the game at least. I agree completely because I mean, like you you see it all the time. Like if a, if a defense is you know already trailing when they come into the game, like it, it's frustrating for them. I mean, and maybe not because I mean it's, some defenses are accustomed to it, but you know you, you never want to play from behind mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball because. All right, I guess at a tie because if you score, then you put your offense at a disadvantage where it feels like it ne- it needs to go score, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think too it also psychs the opposing team's offense out because sometimes too, if you're down seven nothing to start the game, you're you're thinking, oh my gosh, we have to score now because if you don't score, Central's going to get the ball back and they might put up another touchdown on you, and then they almost did. And then and then what are you going to do from there, right? Right, exactly. And that's kind of like where you're down fourteen nothing now, so it's almost like delivers. For the opposing team, at least, like a sense of urgency of of having to go score, and that puts a little bit of added pressure on you, and that that can cause for some mistakes. But yeah, I mean, obviously, they start out with the ball. I, I like that. 
Um, you know, the, the biggest miscue of the game came late in the first quarter. Uh, Tommy Lazaro went into the game, the the backup quarterback for the Chippewas, and, you know, down at the one, and just had to punch it in and, and pick up a yard, and he fumbled the ball about two yards deep in the end zone, and it was picked up by Caleb Biggers of, of the Falcons, and he returned it 100 yards for a touchdown. That evened it up at 7-7. And I think that that play says a lot, too, because if, if Lazaro's able to punch that in, you're going to be up 28 to – 28 nothing at halftime rather than you know 21 to 7 which is where the Chippewas were up due to uh back to back seven or excuse me a 7 yard touchdown run and then a 1 yard touchdown run both from from Jonathan Ward in the second quarter. So from that perspective though the defense looked really good, you know, through and through um besides maybe the third quarter I would say. But in the second I mean really it was an offensive miscue that allowed Bowling Green to to score a defensive touchdown. And when you're looking at it from the perspective of 21-7 versus 28-0, that's a lot different. And you kind of saw the repercussions of it being 21-7 when Bowling Green started with the ball and marched down and scored right away and made it a made it a, a one-touchdown game. And there's a lot different. I mean, that, that's a big difference. Like, could you imagine if the game would have been, you know, instead of it being, um, you know, instead of it being 21-7 after Grant Loy had his three-yard touchdown run to, to open the third quarter, can you imagine if the score would have been twenty-eight-seven? I mean, that's so much different than than so much different than twenty-one fourteen. You know, so it, like those little plays, they do matter. They do. You're absolutely right. I mean, if like like you like you're saying, if if you if Lazaro holds on to the ball, and I don't necessarily fault him for for losing the ball when you have a like a what a two hundred and ten pound guy crashing down on you. Obviously, he had come on, he, Austin. Yeah, uh, come on, hey. Hey, I'm just saying, man. Like, come on. I don't know. Obviously, you got to hold on to the ball. All it, it takes is two hands. He held the ball with one arm, and don't don't get me wrong. I love the package that they have for Lazaro. I think he's a. I think he's good, and I think it works really well. You really saw it on display earlier in the drive before that when um, there was a situation where the Chippewas were facing a fourth down, and there really wasn't like a surefire answer to uh, of what to do on um, you know on fourth down and. McElwain threw in Lazaro, and it was um, you know, they they needed three yards from the Bowling Green twenty four, and it was one of those situations where since he can run and pass the ball, you can't really load the box because he could just dump it over top, but you can't really play conservative and and act like there's going to be a passing play because he's gonna you know obviously run the ball if if you if you sag back, so you really don't know what he's going to do, and especially in the the run pass option, you know he just. It really was a, it was a nice read option, and he threw a perfect pass to Poljan, four-yard completion for a first down. Like Those kind of things are huge, and I, I like the package, but I don't know. You say that you don't fault, you, you don't fault Lazaro for I don't, fumbling? I don't entirely fault him. Obviously, you got to put two hands on the ball, and, I mean, you, gotta, you have to take care of it. That's your job as the offense and especially as the quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, would you be able to hold – well, I guess if you had two hands on it. You'd be able. You'd be if able I was to a Division One football player and I had two hands on the ball and I protected it. Of course, I'd be able to hang on to it. That's true. That's just no. But I'm, I'm not saying I would hang on to it every time. But I'm saying like he is at. I I don't know. I mean, I just think that he is at fault for that because, yeah, that's his. That's his job. That's what he's got to do. Like that's what he's supposed to do. Like they, you know, when you're in that situation, you have to hold on to the ball. I don't think you can just say like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal because it is a big deal. And like McElwain said. That stuff's gonna come to butt you in the butt if you, if, if that continues. Like you're you're gonna be toast. Oh and yeah. And that that that's not acceptable going forward. And I think Lazaro knows it. Um, the coaching staff, I think they know it. 
got to clean it up. You really do. Like that that needs to be cleaned up moving forward. And I I think he knows it. But um. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. No, I I totally agree. As as we keep talking about it, I. I I do I do uh, want to retract my statement there. I mean. I I guess uh, you, you I guess what I'm saying is you just have a little bit of empathy for him. Just like you're getting hit by a 210, 250, 215 pound guy or something. I don't know how much that guy weighs, but um, you know. But like you said, at the same time, it's your job to hold on the ball as a Division One quarterback, and just didn't get the job done. What about Jonathan Ward? Like. Each and every week. I mean, like since he's come back, I mean, I feel like we're talking about him like every week. He's been, he's he's been. I mean, I I would say he's been the catalyst for the offense. He's he's been so huge, you know. I guess leading the offense. Like, what's 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 your what's your take on on Jay Warden? Like, obviously, is I guess his his like comeback after his injury. He's locked in. I think that's I think that's the biggest thing is that you know this guy is now locked into this team and I think last year one of the biggest struggles that you know we saw with Ward was maybe the fact that he was a little bit you know not all there and maybe there were moments where he wasn't where he should have been and and maybe his head wasn't always in the right place and a lot of that comes to injuries like don't get me wrong I think when you're when you're injured and you're struggling to stay healthy and you don't know how to get healthy and your team's losing and you just want to play and I mean there's all these different factors that kind of fall into it but I truly think that for a guy like Ward, being healthy and being able to have a couple of these big games, it kind of gives you it gives you more confidence and you feel like you're 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 worth something. Like last year it was almost like when he was able to play, it was just kind of like whatever because there were times where he wasn't healthy and it just didn't seem like he was all in. And um I, I think there was a lot of people that weren't all in on on that team and where they were at. You know, I think there were a lot of people that a lot, a lot of guys on that team that kind of gave up after a couple weeks, and I think you see what you're seeing now is is a Jonathan Ward that's that's in it, and a guy that's that's going to do anything for his team. And I think a lot of that does come from the coaching changes. And I think you know he's developed and he's grown. And yeah, sure, he still has a long way to go. And I think you know he definitely has a shot to to do something special. I mean, you're looking at him as a Senior Bowl kind of a guy, um, someone that can go represent CMU on that stage. You're looking at him as a guy that you know might have an opportunity to uh to do well in pro day and see where that goes and there's there's always those kind of things um for a guy with his athleticism and with his talent and I think for the first time now you're kind of seeing everything fall into place all at one time and I think that 2017 season had a lot to do with athleticism and the fact that you know he was somebody that's that's just athletic and he's he's a pure football player but now I think it's the culmination of being a athlete and also being somebody that's in it 100% mentally. Um, and he's, he's, he's older now. He understands the game. He's a grown up. He's a big boy now. And I, and I think that's truly coming to coming to show, man. Like it's, it's pretty easy to see the way that he's been able to grow over the years. And even his improvement from 2017, when you know, he, yeah, like I said, he was good, but almost like he wasn't as mature as he needed to be. And now he has the maturity piece and the physical piece and um, and the desire to to be great. I think he knows how good he can be, and he wants to go chase it. Right, and I mean that maturity piece that, you, that you're talking about. He's become a leader. I feel like he's been thriving in that position. Is you know the a guy that will go back and show the young guys how to 
how to do a drill correctly, how to mm-hmm. how to finish a drill. You know, um, we heard about that um, over in uh, fall camp. So I don't I don't know I I. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. He could do, totally do something special. I mean, he eclipsed what two thousand yards in his career. Um, that that's that's pretty special, right there. Um, and really, only three seasons of of act like three, and only really three seasons of of actual um, I guess of actual work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, he's he's really talented, and he's just getting better. I think as the weeks go on. Um, so you're totally right. I mean, you know, he could do something really cool on pro day. And like you said, the senior bowl, I mean, he's, he's got, he's got a bunch of opportunities in front of him, um, including four more on, uh, the 2019 schedule. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of that also comes down to the offense only that Jim McElwain, you know, runs it, you know, the fact that you're throwing RPOs at, at teams gives him an advantage, you know, to be able to keep them on their toes. They don't know if, if Quinn's going to hand it off or if he's going to, going to throw the ball. And if, you, know, you can get the defense guessing. It's so much easier to create holes, and I think that's what that's been the biggest change from last year is play calling in general, and it's given him opportunity to succeed. Also, you have two running backs that are just dominant. Look at, I mean, you got you can't you can't not look at what Kobe Lewis is doing and think about the future of of this program, right? You know, like you can't you can't no, you can't ignore Kobe. You, you can you can't overlook him, and he's he's when he when he stepped in for the Akron game after after Ward got hurt, he stepped in and didn't miss a beat that the running game did not miss a beat in fact it probably improved just a little bit mm-hmm. well I think too it, it kind of gave Ward a little bit of extra motivation too when you have a one-two punch like that um that's that's lethal man it is in, and, in and college football when you have two options of guys that you can you can run with and you have a competent quarterback that's actually able to to play ball and sling it around unlike some of the guys that were in there last year dude when you have all three of those things and you have weapons at, at tight end and receiver your offense is going to score points, and that's kind of what we talked to a little, like we talked about a little bit too. Was, you know, if you can score forty-two points, forty-two points, thirty-eight points, like if that's what you're putting up on a game-to-day basis, forty-five against Akron, um, you know, thirty-eight against against Albany. If those are the type of points that you can score against teams that are in your conference, you're going to have a darn good shot of winning about every game you play. Exactly, and because the Mid American Conference, it's an offensive shootout. Oh, it is every like. I'm not gonna say it is every week, but it is. You're totally right, and it's pretty much whichever defense folds first mm-hmm. is gonna lose. That team's gonna lose. Yep. Um. So, you know, and and looking at the rushing stats during this this three game winning streak, I mean, CMU's run for 308 against Eastern, 352 against New Mexico State, and 254 against against Bowling Green, and those not like it's been a pretty pretty balanced attack. Mm-hmm. You know we. We examined that this weekend, and I mean, sure, the the passing numbers against New Mexico State were a little bit low. Pretty windy day. That that happens. That that's I guess that's football. But you know, it, it's it's been it's been really interesting to watch just how much this team has grown uh, from from last year into this year. I mean, uh, the running game wasn't completely inept last year. It was halfway decent. Um, it. In in my opinion, it wasn't great, wasn't good, but it you know they were they were able to move the ball a little bit on the ground, not a ton, but a little bit. You kind of had like a like a painful look on your face, like oh my god, Austin, stop talking. I mean, I disagree, kind of, but 
Anyway, no, I mean, no. To answer your question, no. I mean, I, I agree in a way that it wasn't like the most pitiful thing in the world because you had some games where Romelo Ross, you know, was able to put up some numbers and, and score, and you had different guys that were able to, to at least contribute. You also had a quarterback that ran the ball, and they they used their quarterbacks to run a lot, specifically with Lazaro and Poljan. So I guess that does make up for a little bit of it. I see where you're coming from. I was just giving a pitiful face because I was thinking about, you know, what last year was like. Right. What that press box felt like every single game. Oh, I'm sure that was just awful. Wasn't great. Not fan. But <laughs> but something to talk about here is taking a peek at really the the Buffalo team that's on deck and looking at what they do and, and from an offensive standpoint where they're at and then from a, a defensive standpoint as well. Um they're they're pretty good on defense, man. Like I think people are people are quick to knock them. Um from a defensive standpoint, you know, in the run game, they only give up 95 yards per game, and that's the best in the conference. Their 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 run defense is excellent. Uh, their run defense is at the top of the game. I think that's a that that definitely presents some problems. Their pass defense is also ranked number one in the in the conference, um, only allowing 203 yards per game. So you have a team like Buffalo, and and don't get me wrong either, because it's not like Buffalo is a team that's gonna gonna blow you out of the water and is gonna gonna do anything crazy special, but but what they will do is they will play defense, and I think that's something that you got to look for as a potential comparison in a way. And, and granted, again, they're not as bad, but um, but just looking at it from the perspective of maybe this is a team that's a little bit like the Chippewas of last year, where they don't really have much offense and they do struggle in that regard, but what they are able to do is um, you know, present you some challenges when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And that's what you saw out of the Chippewas last year. That's why there were so many low-scoring games that that Central Michigan lost was just based on the fact that there was a defense that was keeping them in games. And I think that right now that's what might end up happening, you know, with, with this Buffalo team. I, I don't know your exact thoughts on that, but I definitely think that there is there is a possibility, there is the potential that um, that the defense might be able to hold up a little bit. What do you what do you think on that? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I you know that like you, I mean, numbers don't lie, man. They're first in the first in the conference in both pass defense and rush defense. That's that's that, obviously that says something. It says some that this defense is really good and that mm-hmm. you you need you need to do I think Central needs to do something special offensively. Nothing crazy, but just it need to somehow poke holes in the Buffalo defense, and I, I, I'm not obviously I'm not an expert. I'm not going to sit here and tell them how to do it because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you need you need to find a breakthrough and get the momentum on your side with it with it being a road game. The defense is really good. The offense is not. I'll, I'll be honest. The offense is not really good at all. Uh, it's in the it's in the bottom four of the conference, but at the same time. If you're not careful with the football and you're not, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, like you said, from an offensive standpoint, all they really have is the run game. That's all Buffalo has is the run game. Right, and that's 224 on, yards per game. But on defense, that's where that's where I think you got to worry a little bit, though. Right, no, absolutely. I mean, and you, you do. <laughs> I mean... Like I said, man, the numbers I mean, don't lie. Yeah, they're, and, they're, they're rush, I mean, their they're rushing offense is the second best in the conference. Right. Behind Toledo. Exactly. So, 
when you're looking at it from that regard, it's like, all right, well, what are we going to, what are we going to get out of them? Because they are a team that can, you know, ground and pound, but they also can play defense. And that's something that central Michigan has not faced this year. They have not faced a team that might be a better defensive team than them. You know, from the most part, the way that you've seen it, at least in conference, it almost seems like they have an upper hand from a defensive standpoint, um, especially with that run defense. Like we said, that run defense is second to Buffalo in the conference and, and their passing defense. Um, well, it's not the greatest because of some early early season woes. It still sits around the middle of the pack, and it has been improving every single uh, every single game. So we'll have to see how it goes. We will. I mean, I, I don't really know what what to expect going in. Your your thoughts? I I don't either. I mean, I I think it's I think it's going to be a, a slow game, low scoring, lots of punts. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to give my prediction quite yet, but, you know, and I feel like in a slower kind of more defensive stout game, I I don't think that lines up well with, with what CMU tries to do mm-hmm. offensively. And I, I mean, I don't know Buffalo's offense, but for CMU's offense specifically, I mean, slow, slow and low it, um, does not, uh, does not sound like, something that that the offense is really built for in my opinion I mean what do you think yeah no I mean looking at it from the the perspective of what Buffalo brings to the table um, I mean they really do feature two backs and that's really what they they roll with and Jarrett Patterson and Kevin Marks so with Jarrett Patterson 131 carries um, just over 700 um, excuse me 686 um, yards of, of offense on the ground and four touchdowns and then Marks um, 603 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. That's their bread and butter. Really, what they go with is they try to open you up with the run run game and then you know allow the the passing game to work as well. But in the passing game, um, a little bit more of a more of a question. Um, not as much consistency. And Matt Myers, who who's in there, and you know 47 for 105. Um, you know 602 yards, six inter- six touchdowns and, and four interceptions. So. He hasn't. He's not a guy that's going to jump out to you on paper and and really step up and and be someone that you're going to consider as like a, a go-to offensive threat. But what they do do is they do work that run game really well, and then they try to give it over to the to the pass game and, and take some big shots to try to beat you deep. Yeah, and and that's that's. I mean, that's that's the way to run the offense. Really, I feel like it, it's it's that traditional, almost like pro style offense I feel like is mm-hmm. is they run it a ton, set up a play action, chuck the ball downfield, score a big touchdown. Get the momentum on your side and you're and you're rolling. Um but yeah, I'm 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 really interested cuz cuz Matt Myers on the on the ground, um you know, 100 what was he what is he net? 94 yards on 30 on 30 carries. Uh, that's it's not bad. He's got two scores, so he's a little bit of of a dual threat kind of guy. Um, what's this? Kyle Kyle Van Treese, not so much a dual threat guy. He does have a he does have a score on the ground too. But I mean, most so that's something that's that is something you have to watch out for. I feel like um, when in terms of the Bulls' offense. Yeah, I mean, you also have to take a look at. You know, from a defensive side of the the, the ball, um, defensive end Ladarius Mack, um, he was named the Mack East Division Defensive Player of the Week um, for his performance. 
It was a 21-0 win against Akron on, on Saturday that they had. He had four tackles, one sack, three tackles for a loss, one forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Um, it was Buffalo's second-ever road shutout against a Mac opponent. Um, and then his his recovery, you know, his fumble recovery was a, a strip sack. Uh, that was after a strip sack by his teammate Taylor Riggins. And he was able to pick up the ball, and he went 35 yards for his first career touchdown. Um, so... When you look at it from that aspect, they have guys on the edge, and that's kind of what we, we've talked about, right, is the, the strip sacks and getting to the quarterback and providing some trouble there. It's going to be a big test for the offensive line for Central Michigan, and, and Mike Cummings is going to have to have his boys ready to go and, and ready to play because you, you really have to protect the quarterback and you have to give Quentin Dormady some, some room to breathe. But looking at it, too, from what were we going to say? Go ahead. I was going to say, I see it a lot. I see it a little bit like the Miami game because, I mean, that – that defensive line, while not maybe the best in the ACC, that's still an ACC off, or defensive line, and I, I see it. I see it similar or similar um, in terms of matchup. In that you know, it's a li- it's a little little uh, little frightening for CMU fans because I mean, David Moore got sacked twice, strip sacked twice in that game, and he got beat around kind of kind of like a ragdoll a little bit in that game too. So, like you said, uh, Mike Cummings has got to. Got to get the guys up front ready, ready to be a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, well, I do think Central Michigan does get the win, and I, and I think it's a winnable game, a very winnable game. There are going to be some new challenges, and I think that comes down to game planning. Is is how do you game plan for a team like Buffalo, just based off the fact that it is gonna gonna be a little bit different. But Austin, real quick, um, Chip Wise had Buffalo, Northern Illinois, Ball State, and Toledo. If they win out, they're going to be MAC champs. Do they win out? If not, who do they lose to? I, I think I think they do win out. Why? Well, I just think that I just think the offense is is coming alive. The offense is is getting better week by week. And so is the secondary. I mean, may, I mean, the secondary has has gotten better. Defense has gotten better in terms of tackling, open field hits. I mean, I know there obviously injuries happen. Um, you know, that's that's something we're we're thinking about here this week too. But um, I I think all four of those games are relatively close. But I I think um, I I really do I really do think CMU pulls it out. Yeah, I got the Chippewas. Um... And obviously, in my my preseason predictions, and I, I'm perfect so far to this point. And then, in my preseason predictions, I had a loss to Buffalo, a loss to Northern Illinois, a win against Ball State, and then a loss to Toledo. So I had them ending the season um, one and three with their last four games. I think they I think they beat Buffalo. I think they keep it going. Um, I do think they they beat Northern Illinois as well, but I think they're going to choke against Ball State and and lose that one on the road. And then who who knows what's going to happen against against Toledo in that finale after you after you lose it if that ends up happening? But yeah, Toledo's been kind of falling apart a little I bit. Know. And that Ball State game that that was the one that I'm kind of hesitating on because I'm like I did not expect Ball State to be the, quite at the level that they are, mm-hmm. and um, definitely a surprise team in the conference. But that's the beautiful thing about about the MAC is it's so close mm-hmm. for the most part. It's so close that I mean. It, Obviously, that's why they play the games. You never know who's going to win, but right. Um, well, one more yeah. thing too, just to to kind of hit on it um, before leading into the game against Buffalo, we did see DeAndre Dill go out with an injury. We also saw Kyron McKinney Harper leave with an injury. Both of those against 
Bowling Green. We should have an update for you guys um, sometime before kickoff. Um, whenever McIlwain's ready to give that one, we'll make sure that we, we send it out. But again, real quick, Austin, score prediction for the game against Buffalo. Score prediction against Buffalo. I'll start. 31-20 Central. I was going to go 21-10 Central. I think it's the same same kind of thing as last week. Um, I think I think that CMU defense, that obviously the two defenses are going to battle. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like CMU in this one. A little bit lower scoring than I think what you're thinking. But, um, yeah, 21-10 CMU. Sounds good. Well, listen, we're going to be on our way to Buffalo on Saturday morning. We're going to wake up pretty pretty darn early and make the trek through Canada um, all the way over there to, to Buffalo, New York. Yeah, would so, you say like 5 a.m. or something? Uh, that would be early. We'll figure it out. Ugh. Maybe 5, 6, 7, we'll, we'll, we'll head out. But um, we'll, we'll figure that out um, on, on the details later. But listen, you guys, keep up with us on our Twitter accounts. Um, I'm at Evan Petzold. I'm at A Chastain1535. we got to make that shorter. I know. I think, I'm, I think I might take off the 35 part. But anyway, keep up with us on our Twitters. Um, we'll make sure to keep you guys updated on the journey to Buffalo. But also, cm-life.com. Just go there. Check it out. We got, all, we got stuff up all week long. Um, it's going to continue to go up as we inch closer to, uh, to game day. And the Chippewas are playing their best football since 2017. So there's no reason not to read. But anyway, thanks for listening to Maroon and Bold. Another episode. We'll be back with you guys next week again. Stay tuned to all of our work. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts as well because we make sure to deliver. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.